afternoon. Welcome to Anchored. <laughs> Sorry, they had the microphone on this other one <laughs> just to drive me crazy. Anyway, welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards on this September 8th, the Blessed Mother's Birthday. So as I asked my people this morning at Mass, I said, let's today be a day where we don't go ask her for anything. I have said a million times, Mary is always used. May she be loved. So today, let's just thank her. Let's just wish her happy birthday. Let's thank her for everything she's done for us, all her prayers, all her love, all our being embraced and put on her lap, as she said to Juan Diego at Our Lady of Guadalupe, as Our Lady of Guadalupe. So uh, we just thank our mother and we honor our mother, and so we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of our blessed mother, the mother of Jesus, the mother that was given to us by Jesus from the cross. May we always be grateful to her, as we honor her, and as we love her as our mother. Father, we ask your Holy Spirit upon all of us that we may know your will and do your will all the days of our life. We pray for the repose of the soul of Queen Elizabeth, who you took home to yourself. Lord, help us always to be ready, for when you call each of us home to be with you forever, we beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Again, this is Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards, and this is your time this next hour we spend together just for you to ask me any kind of questions, and you can just type it on your live chat, or if you're not watching this live, you can get next time and just send an email to our the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, uh, and just put a uh, podcast question and I'll, I'll get it uh, next week. You can also, those of you who are watching uh, on the app, you can do it also in the comments of the app. You know, again, if you don't have the app, I encourage you to get the app, and the app is Our Hope TV, Our Hope TV, which is a great app. It has every single one of my... Uh, um, talks on there they're all free i just see this cup here it says our hope tv i don't like the other side of it it has a picture of me on so i don't know where it came from but they had to get it done i'm guessing so i don't know ugly huh? i don't know anyway so again so we just sit there and encourage you to do that and you can get all the talks and videos and daily mass and do all that stuff on the app so go to our hope tv wherever you download your apps and you can sit there and do absolutely everything that we have 100 percent free okay so let's get started here again just uh let me uh, fill in everybody for uh, last week of course i was um <laughs> People were wondering what happened because I wasn't at daily mass and that. And of course, after I buried my sister on that Saturday, I had to go to Canton, Ohio to do a uh, 50th anniversary for good friends of mine. And then on the way back, I'm thinking, oh, I don't feel good. And then I woke up Monday and I didn't feel good at all. I had a fever, a very tired uh, cough. And so I wore a mask at mass 
and uh, thinking, huh, I took a COVID test and it was negative, and I, okay. And then Tuesday, I felt worse, and um, we got a call that someone I had seen Sunday morning had COVID, so my director of ministries, Diane, says, you better take another COVID test. So I took another COVID test, and I was positive. So I was quarantined all last week, Monday through Friday. That's why I wasn't here last week, because I had COVID. Now, I have no idea. They put it everywhere, just Father Larry will not be here. He won't. And again, that's nice, but then everybody gets all kinds of people to start wondering, like, is he depressed? What's happening? Did he go off the deep end? And so I just put out, I have COVID people, so I have no problems with telling everybody that. Now, I do have some issues because I had to wear a mask for the first three days of this, uh, for this weekend and, for, and this I got a couple comments that father, it, I can't, I love you father, but uh, you know, I think it's terrible when a priest wears a mask, when the blessed sacrament, Jesus Christ is right there. So it was questioning my faith and that always drives me insane, you know? And so people of God, I wore a mask to protect other people. And so that's the most important reality. It had nothing to do with me, and it sure had nothing to do with my faith. You know, those who question faith like that, I want you to go, and I want you to go up into an airplane, and I want you to fly to 35,000 feet, and I want you to jump out without a parachute. Because you have faith, that's all you need, right? As long as you have faith, you know, faith, God will take care of you. Uh-huh, go ahead and do it. I, you know, people that sit there and just go, oh, I can't believe a priest that wears a mask. It was there to protect other people. And let me give you a hint. Jesus Christ would have wore a mask if that's what his doctor told him to do. You know, you don't sit there and play these games with God. If you, and again, if you believe that, okay, where's your faith? And why don't you go sell everything you own and give it to the poor? Because that's what Jesus says it takes to be his disciple. So go ahead, do that. Live faith. I can't take when people start challenging me and saying, oh, I don't know about your faith, Father. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much. Anyway, I was going to do that at Mass this morning, and I thought better of it. I thought, I'll just deal with it today during my podcast where I can get a little bit more uh, crazy <laughs> when people send me these type things. But again, uh, please stop judging priests that wear masks. You have no idea what's going on in their lives, and don't ever question their faith unless you're willing to to do what Dave, I've, you know, again, I've given up my life for our Lord Jesus Christ. I do everything I can for the love of God, you know, but again, when people question my faith, I go, okay, well, I don't have a perfect faith, but neither do you, and it sure has nothing to do with whether I wear a mask or not, okay? Thank you. Okay, so let's go right into everything else and start with the questions. I got to turn the fan on in here, though, because I swear they turn the heat on before I come in here. So, okay. Hi, Harry. Always the first one on. Good job. Yes, God rest the queen. It is kind of interesting because the queen is the queen of England, and uh, she's also the head of the, the Church of England. And again, when I was in England a couple uh, weeks ago, I went to the Tower of London. And I thought about all the, you know, King Henry VIII was something. When he says, I will be, you know, first he was the defender of the faith because he went after Luther. And so the Pope made him defender of the faith. And then when he went and gave him another annulment, and he says, okay, I'm the leader of the church. And so he still holds the title and the queen and everybody from them, defender of the faith, which came from Rome. And it was because they were defending the faith. 
But, you know, Henry VIII had, what, six wives, killed two of them or three of them, and Boleyn, of course, and made every, and he killed the priest who wouldn't swear allegiance to him. So we can't just whitewash that and say everything was good. The guy was evil. It's just that simple. He was an evil man, killing his wives because they wouldn't bear him sons, taking the church away from Rome and saying, I am the head of the church. It has nothing to do with Queen Elizabeth, of course. She was a good, good woman. But in the past, I was just very like, whoa, really? They killed us? Now we killed them too uh, when our times, but like, Again, it always goes both ways, but when you have one guy that did what he did, we just can't say, oh, that was so nice. It wasn't. He separated the church. Not a good reality. Okay, Lawrence of Las Vegas. Hi, Lawrence. Hi, Father. Hi. I was watching previous talks and wondering why you say you don't like the breviary. Again, let's be clear. I say the breviary every day. I never, never miss except when I was in a hospital once I missed a day about three years ago, but I never miss the breviary because it's a, it's a vow we have to take. We're made to do that. When you are made a, a deacon, a, a transitional deacon, you make a promise to say the breviary of the church all the days of your life. And so I do, but I don't like it because it's a prayer of monks where monks come together and they, you know, they still do it. They get together and they say the breviary together it was implemented and made sure that, uh, put in for us, that we would make sure that diocesan priests pray. But um, the biggest thing that keeps me faithful to it is because I made a vow, but also because I'm praying with Jesus. So in that regard, it's a wonderful thing. The regard I don't like it is it becomes just another routine of prayer. You know, often we say a lot of prayers and again, as I've said, I could say the breviary every day and be an atheist. I could say a rosary every day and be an atheist. I can go to daily mass every day and be an atheist. Just because you're saying the words in present doesn't make it real, doesn't instill faith. You need faith to do this, and then you need a relationship. So again, if I'm in a relationship with Jesus, and I am, and the only time I talk to him is I pull out a, a, a prayer book and I read him a bunch of prayers, and he says, why don't you just talk to me? Why don't you just listen to me? So that's the type of prayer that I always have to go deeper into. But, you know, there's some people who their prayer life never gets beyond rote prayers. And that's sad because God wants more from you, wants more from us. He wants a relationship. So it means we listen, we talk, we listen, 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 talk. But most people, when they pray, in my experience, do a lot of talking, but not a lot of listening, as it takes time. So that's why I, I wouldn't say I don't like the breviary. It's not my favorite prayer because it's just rote prayer. I do love the breviary because we're praying for the whole world. And it really hit me the most is uh, when I read the book, I've saw, shared this before, of... Um, after John Paul II was shot, when he came out of surgery, his uh, assistant was there, who's now an archbishop, but his assistant was there, and he said, uh, first thing he said is, I miss night prayer. And I thought, whoa, if the Pope was so, um, it was so important to him that even after being shot and almost dead, that he missed night prayer because he knew he was praying with Jesus for the church. 
then that's really what changed me. I still, to be honest, don't care for it. Don't care for the roteness of it. Don't care for the, um, just to going through it, but, um, doesn't matter. It's being faithful to what I've promised and being faithful to what the church asks of me. And I always say that's where love becomes real. When we do things we don't want to do, if you're married, you do things for your spouse. Even if you don't feel like it, you fully love them. You know, like, for instance, taking out to garbage. Well, I don't want to take out to garbage. Yes, but you do it. Why? Because you love your spouse and she asks you to or whatever. So those are the type things that we do out of love though we mightn't care for a particular thing. But uh, don't take it out of context. Of course, I've never missed it, um, and I've, I, I say it every day. But that doesn't mean that's got to be my favorite prayer, because it's not. Okay, Judith, what is the maximum number of people you are talk, taking to the Holy Land? I don't know. Probably it'll be two busloads, because we're already up to 57 is the last count I got. So what that'll be is two busloads. So what we do with two busloads is me and John Edwards, who's the other person taken, uh, who uh, we're going together, is I'll spend one day in a bus and he'll spend another one day in the other bus and then we'll switch. So every other day I'll be in a bus. So everybody gets to spend time with both of us. I get to spend time with you. Um, when last time I was in Holy Land, that's the way it did. And we had a fine time um, some buses would get me alcohol and some buses would get me chocolate. I'm not saying which I like better, but it was just fun to go into the two different buses and to get to know everybody. It's a great time. Again, we're going to be together for 12 days, which I just took another look and I go, oh, I thought we were 10 days, but it's a 12-day tour. And uh, the expense is very, uh, very reasonable. Um, they just booked my flight um, yesterday to the Holy Land, which was... Uh, I thought, whoa, so I'm already booked, so God willing, I'm going to, it's already a done deal, so we have 57, so we would double that. I think the buses hold 50, 45 or 50, I'm not real sure, um, but again, the best thing to do is call Select International um, and ask, they'll be able to tell you and all that kind of stuff, but would love to have you there. Um, we have a fine time, I'm already looking forward to it. So, I'm going in a couple, uh, I won't, I, uh, next week, yeah, I'll, I should be here for the next two weeks, uh, but I'm going to be from different places. Next week, I'm going to be outside of Toledo, Ohio, doing a parish mission. So, if you're in the area of Toledo, Ohio, I uh, encourage you to come to the parish mission. Let me just look exactly where it is going to be. The parish mission next week is St. Michael the Archangel Church in Finley, Ohio. St. Michael the Archangel Church in Finley, Ohio. I will be there every night from 7 to 9. I don't have it on here. I'm guessing because usually if it starts at 6.30, it'll tell me. So it'll be from 7 to 9 each night at St. Michael's in Finley, um, the first night we talk about prayer and I'll teach you how to pray. The second night we talk about family and the importance of family and healing in family. And we'll do that in the context of the mass. The third night I do my passion talk, which is my most, uh, uh, intense talk. And then we have confessions. And then the last night we have adoration and healing. And we put out the blessed sacrament. We talk about the importance and the power of Jesus and the most blessed sacrament. And we anoint people with oil from St. Joseph's oratory in Montreal, Canada. 
it's a fantastic uh, thing. The worst part about it is you have to listen to me for two hours every night. So uh, I encourage you, please, if you'd like to uh, come in that area, if you're in that area, come on over and say hi to me and say hi and tell me that you listen and that uh, I'll be glad to meet you. Okay, so there you go. So I don't know, Judith, but you're most welcome to come. Donna, hi, Donna, praying for Queen Elizabeth. May she rest in peace, of course. Present, good. Julie Ryan, my puppy's doing well. I was gonna, if I didn't have to go to see my shrink right after, I'd have brought my puppy. He's getting big. He already sits. He already gives his paw. He's uh, housebroken most of the time. You know? So like the other day, I had one of my spiritual directees in early in the morning. We come in, I'm in my office. Everybody's off because it was Labor Day. And he's playing with, uh, he's jumping up on my spiritual directee. And uh, all of a sudden, he went over next to me, next to my chair in front of my grandfather clock and peed on the floor. Not very long. I stopped him immediately. I scared the heck out of him. But I was like, oh. But the puppy Joe is doing well. He's getting big tomorrow. He goes for his first vet check. So, so okay, I'm sorry. Let's go back. Paul and I are hoping you're feeling much better. I am 100%. Uh, they told me I could have with COVID, you know, like a cough for months, literally, and uh, laryngitis. And by God's grace, I, by Thursday, the fever broke and I was fine. This was my second time, of course, having it. I had to, you know, right after Christmas and uh, couldn't believe it and then I got it again this fast you know so anyway such is life uh, gave me something to offer up there's no souls left in purgatory well there might be now but anyway I have trouble explaining to people here that though she was queen also queen Elizabeth because she was queen in her own right the late queen was Elizabeth II of course good day father Larry good day Teresa wonderful to see you back me too England used to be called Mary's Dowry. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> is it okay to say that we are proud of somebody? It's different than being prideful. Of course you're allowed to say you're proud of somebody. Of course. And uh, that kind of pride is a good pride. Uh, the kind of pride that's sinful is having it your way. You know, I did it my way. That's the song and theme song of all the proud. And that's the thing that we cannot, we cannot, we cannot ever. It's not about having it our way. Again, uh, someone um, said something about, you know, it was so funny because on, on Monday, I, on the feast of uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, which I celebrated, I was talking about how people slandered her, even in Wikipedia. And I said, let's try not to be slanderous because, again, it was talking about the, the sinfulness of slander. I mean, the people who slander uh, are just like people who have adult, committed adultery, who are homosexual, who have sex before marriage, and active homosexual mean having sex like that. Anything that they're, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I says, if they could even uh, slander Mother Teresa, None of us have any hope. And then this guy, who must not have listened, he said, stay away from Father Larry Richards. You can hear he yells and screams, and he's the most proudful person, and he's such a narcissist. And I get that a lot. This narcissism thing keeps coming up. Um, and so he was just so, of course, I just thought, well, prove the point. 
But uh, again, we and, and the only way I know because I don't read the comments is someone um, sent an email to me saying, "Father, would you block this so and so because they said some horrible things about you on Facebook?" So I had to go look it up, and I go, "Oh, okay." And again, I just start reading, "Oh, please," and let it go. Could it be true? Could I be a narcissist? Of course. Does all of us have some part of narcissism? Of course, that isn't okay in it. But I've often said that there's, I couldn't do what I do if there wasn't something in me that likes doing it. Um, But I have to repent my own pride, my own vanity, my own narcissism. If it's there, I don't want, I only want to do God's will. And again, that was something he said, he says, and he'll talk about doing God's will, but it's a manipulation. Okay, you don't have to listen to me. You just got to listen to God, okay? I don't know what else to tell you. Just listen to God. Do God's will. Yes, that's the most important thing. That was what Mary did. That is what Jesus did. The world must know that I love the Father. I only do what pleases him, Jesus said. When he had to go to the cross, not my will, but your will be done three times. Mary, fiat, let it be done to me on this her birthday. So, it is what we got to do, period. You know, again, if I'm not the instrument to bring you to God, then find someone who is. You know, again, uh, someone like Father Mike Smith is the nicest guy, truly, truly nice guy, and he speaks truth, and he's much nicer than me, <laughs> much nicer. So if someone like him is the best thing for you, then go that way. I'm stronger for other people. And I go, I know that. It's just part of it, you know. So uh, we do what we can do and do the best I can do to please God because I always want to please the Father uh, too. I know I don't do it. I get it, but I try. So again, we all do. So let's go back here. Let's go into some of these uh, emails here. Our son has a question. We would like to know why God would knowingly cast Satan down to earth and then put the human race there here also. He believes God, God purposely set us up to fail. Hmm, that would be interesting, but then God would be evil, huh, if he did that. Remember, he didn't cast them to earth. Well, the, the thing is, he cast them down and he went to hell. And hell is the place away from God. But there isn't a good God and a bad God, right? There isn't a... Um, like Satan's a bad God and God is a good God. Uh, He created Satan as an angel and gave him free will, like all of us have free will. And then he chose not to serve. See, this is so important uh, when it comes to the religious life. That which cast Satan into hell, traditionally, is that he refused to serve. He said, I will not serve. And so that can be the same for us if we don't have a life that serves God and serves others. Jesus is the antithesis of someone not uh, serving. He came and gave his life for us at the Last Supper. He washed and served the disciple, washed their feet, the lowest thing you could do for somebody. That's the example all of us have to follow. So I often think about the way we have uh, talked about God and you know, um, that this God who lives, often we go back to the Old Testament and we use those as examples. But you got to remember the Old Testament people did not have the Holy Spirit the way we do. 
They did not have God in us the way we do. You know, and so Mary was the first one to bring that reality when she became the mother of God and God dwelled in her. And then by the Spirit of God, he dwells in us the same way. So we have much different ways than people of the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, of course, is revealed by God. But when it comes to, like, Satan and all that stuff, that we got to know, we have looked more for the book of Revelation, where Michael casts him out, and he's conquered, and it talks about uh, he accuses us day by day before the throne. But Jesus and the spirit of the living God is the, the paraclete or the consoler, the one who stands and argues against the Satan. So God does everything in his power to save us, correct? The devil doesn't get the last word. Jesus does. And then when he dies, right before he gives his last breath, he says, it is finished. I have paid the price. Jesus conquers sin, your sin, my sin, all sin. He conquers the evil one when he died on the cross. Okay, hopefully... That helps your son. Okay, let's go on here. Sunshine, 87. What is considered a lukewarm soul? A lukewarm soul is a lazy soul. You know, it's uh, oh, Acadia, Acadia, Acadia. It's the sin of sloth, the sin of laziness. It's like, uh, I don't care one way or the other. You know, um, like again, I hear confessions constantly and I always ask the last, uh, the first question is, do you pray every day? And 90%, 95% maybe is the answer is no. And uh, these are for people who go to church every week. That's laziness. That's being lukewarm. You must pray every day. And again, I tell people, and I'm telling you, if you don't have a daily prayer life, you must have a daily prayer life. If not, you're lazy. That's the only reason. There's no excuse, none, not to have a daily prayer life. There is zero, 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 zero excuse not to pray every day. Zero. You got to get your priorities right because the day you drop dead, the God of the universe will look at you and say, I love you very much. I'm going to give you what you love the most forever. And if you're not praying every day, that's not him. So, Lee and lukewarm is just not caring. It's being spiritually lazy. So, again, you have to get your priorities right. Seek ye first the kingdom, then everything else will be given to you. Don't seek everything else and hope to get the kingdom. I think what Jesus said. So, again, uh, we got to make sure that we are faithful in our prayer. And then from there, we'll find out his will. From there, we'll be told what to do. And that can be one of the greatest things ever again. Okay. So let's go on. How do you explain that God is still a living God in the Old Testament, even though it is filled with so much killing or loving God? The Ten Commandments, do not kill. Well, it's do not murder. Is the, uh, again, that's why we have to always watch when we look at the uh, commandments and because it's a translation of the Hebrew, but the, the original, the intent of that thing is you shall not murder because God tells people to kill all the time uh, in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. Why? Because the justice of God was fulfilled in the Old Testament, so it had to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was justice. Jesus came, paid the penalty, of justice and now there's mercy but he had to pay the penalty for that but 
again, when it comes to a loving God, the only way you can figure out is that God is the beginning and the end. And even when all those people, because I often think about all the people that were killed, all the children that were killed um, when the Passover happened, you know, when uh, God came and struck the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, except, of course, for the, uh, the uh, Jewish people. And I always feel so sad about that. Because most of the people, of course, in Egypt did not hate the Jews. It was the Pharaoh that was doing that. And yet, the only way we can ever make sense of any of it is that God, when these people died, were on the other side. He was on the other side to give them life. That if we try to make sense of this world while we're in the world only, life stinks. You know, people die. Again, I've had the, like the worst six months of my whole life these last six months. But God never let me go. God's always been holding me. He's been giving me peace, uh, more so than I've experienced in a long time. It, it took him a while to get there, but still. So when we talk about God, we always have to put everything in the context of eternity because we just um, don't know. But we have to make sure that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament, but it was before Jesus came and paid the penalty of justice. I hope that helps. Okay, so we got another email here. Hi, Father Larry. Sorry to hear about your sister. Yeah, me too. God bless you and your family. You have endured a lot. My question is, did Jesus speak about venial and mortal sins? Where does our faith get the information? Thank Gina Marie. Jesus didn't do it. Uh, it was John who did it. In John's letter, if you go to the letter of St. John, it does come from the scriptures, of course. And when we go here, let me see, John. He talks about praying for sinners. This is in 1 John chapter 5, verse, thing, verse 13 and following. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 and following. And... Um, how we should pray, God has given us eternal life, and you believe in the name of the Son of God, and we have confidence in him that if we ask anything according to the, his will, he hears us. And again, verse 16, this is uh, 1 John, the letter of John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother sinning, if the sin is not deadly, another way of saying deadly is mortal, he should pray to God and he will give him life. There is such a thing as deadly sin, about which I did not say that you should pray. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that is not deadly. So this is the proof text, if you will, in the Bible where we get the difference between mortal sin and venial sin. Mortal sin is deadly sin. If you commit a mortal sin, it kills your soul. Venial sin, it wounds your soul. Again, the way I was taught, and someone was, uh, one of my spiritual directors had shared with me this the other day, he listened about the way I was taught when I was, when I was a kid. We were taught by sister that uh, when you go to confession, you have your soul's all white. It's all white. The whole soul is all white. And if you commit a venial sin, you get a little spot there. Another venial sin, another spot. But if you commit a mortal sin, it's all black. You know. Now again, this is an analogy far from a reality, but 
It was a way to show a second grader about the difference between mortal and venial sin. God is bigger than those analogies. But mortal sin, remember what it takes. Serious matter, it's got to be something serious. It's not like telling a lie if your wife asks you if you're uh, if she's fat and you say, no, you're beautiful and she's 300 pounds, you uh, aren't in mortal sin, okay? So it has to be serious matter. You kill somebody, you get drunk on purpose, miss mass on Sunday, commit abortion, help someone have an abortion, uh, get drunk, uh, any of those things. So it has to be serious. Second, it, uh, you have to know that it's serious. Um, you know, if you don't know it, ignorance is an excuse in the Catholic Church. So you got to know that what you're doing is serious sin. Um, and then third, you got to fully consent, full consent of the will. Serious matter, full knowledge, full consent of the will. And that means there's no habit there. There's no uh, addiction. You have full consent. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. I'm going to do it anyway. Now you've separated yourself from God because God gave you what you wanted and you separate yourself from him, that's why you need to go to confession and be reconciled with him and be reconciled with church. So hopefully that helps. 1 John chapter 5, verse 16. Again, the letter of John, first letter of John. Okay. Do 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 Gabby. Thank you, Father. Happy to see you find your podcast. Good to have you here, Gabby. Luis, hi, Father, praying for you. Do you have a favorite Marian devotion? My favorite Marian devotion is to Our Lady of Guadalupe. She's, uh, again, I've read it to you before, but I'll read it to you again because I just love it. On this, her birthday, let's just honor her for a second um, more. And when she says to Our Lady of Guadalupe, she says to Juan Diego. Listen, my son, to what I tell you now. Do not be troubled nor disturbed by anything. Do not fear illness, nor any other distressing occurrence, nor pain. Am I not your mother? Am I not health and life? Have I not placed you on my lap and made you my responsibility? Think about it. Mary says we are her responsibility. Is there anything else you need? So I have, of course, I say the rosary every day um, because she asks us to at Fatima Lourdes. And so I always say the rosary every day uh, because our mother asks us to. And I just think that's the way we honor her is do as she asks. And what was the last thing she ever asked us to do or told us to do in the word of God? The last words ever required do whatever he, Jesus, tells you. Do whatever he tells you. So that's what Mary, Mary always points to Jesus. Mary should never be the end. She should always be the one that gets us to Jesus. She came not to bring us to her, but to bring us to Jesus. Now we love her, we honor her, we do all those things, but she brings us to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you, okay? On this, her birthday. Happy birthday, Mama. Okay. 
Harry, I had COVID last week too. We had it together, Harry. Look at that. Didn't realize you can catch it through a podcast. That must, I wasn't on podcast last week. I could have done it, I guess, for my place, but I was still, I was tired. Okay. What are the practical ways to practice humility? First of all, don't think about it. Because if you're focused on your humility, like my spirits director years ago, and most of you can get this with me anyway, he said, Richards, if you ever become humble, you'd put a big sign on your head that says, I'm humble. <laughs> so Christianity is never the focus on self. It's the forgetfulness of self. So humility is an act of, it's a byproduct of love and generosity. It's taking the last place. But humility is truth. So it's who you are. So often so many people think, uh, to be humble, I have to put myself down. You don't. God doesn't do that. The devil does. He accuses you. But God lifts you up. So humility is truth. Mary, who is the greatest example next to Jesus, uh, what humility is, she didn't say, I'm not worthy, I'm no good. She said, let it be done to me. That we come before God with our hands open, letting God take what he wants and let him give what he wants. Humility. We don't focus on, okay, I got to be more humble. I'm going to do all these acts because now that's prideful. You know, so just serve people. Just be generous and humility will come. Love people. Humility will come. But don't focus on humility. It doesn't help. Okay. And again, the, the, again, one of the best things is when John the Evangel, John the Evangelist, John the Baptist, when he says, "He must increase, I must decrease," kept pointing to Jesus. Mary pointed to Jesus. We point to Jesus. We don't point to ourselves. Um, okay. Marianne, hi, Marianne, hi, Father. Will you please explain the difference between the Catholic Church and Episcopalian Church? Of course, I talked about it a little bit earlier. The Catholic Church is, you know, uh, founded by Jesus and Peter. Uh, the Pope runs the Catholic Church. That's why people that uh, go, uh, go to the Pope and they say they're very Catholic. No, you're just like Luther and you're just like uh, Henry VIII. You know, the Episcopalians started, uh, well, it's really, it starts with the Church of England and Episcopalians are part of the Church of England. But it started with Henry VIII uh, asking for, he already got one. He didn't have a son. He wanted a son for an heir. And so his first wife didn't give him a son. So he asked Rome for a, uh, an almond. So he got one. And, uh, then he married Anne Molin and he says, I'll love you till you, till you die, which he did anyway. So, uh, but she didn't give him a son either. So she killed, he killed her. And uh, because Rome wouldn't give a, another annulment. And so he said, okay, that's it. Everyone in England now, and all the Isles of England, everyone in England, I am the head of the church, not the Pope, and the bishops must swear allegiance to me. And of course, we know Bishop John Fisher would not swear allegiance to him, and he was killed. And uh, Thomas More, one of his best friends and one of the uh, highest up in, the, in England, he was also killed because he would not swear allegiance to Henry VIII. Now, the Episcopalians, of course, they went down. So their, their, their history, that's the way they were founded, okay? So that's the biggest difference. We follow the Pope. They follow the, the king or the queen. Um, the king or the queen is the head of the church uh, officially in Episcopalianism and uh, Anglicanism. And again, it's when, 
whenever I say anything like all this, I'm oversimplifying things, okay? <laughs> Which you got, you know, it's just an oversimplification. If you want to really know more, uh, just go and type that in Google and you're going to get a lot of uh, some of what I said and even more details about that, okay? But they still have sacraments, all, you know, all this stuff. They have priests, they have bishops, they have women bishops, you know, they have uh, homosexual bishops. They have, um, um, you know, it's pretty high church. If you like the highness of church, there's high Episcopalians and low Episcopalians. And so there's some that go for all the, the glitz and there's other ones that just have it very simple. So, but again, our, our faith is pretty much the same, what we believe, like with the sacraments and the faith. The uh, C.S. Lewis, I'm reading his book now, uh, Jack, which is a fantastic book. He had an unbelievable young life. Unbelievable and sinful and selfish. But anyway, later conversion. But still, he was an Episcopalian or more uh, accurately a Church of England person because um, that's just the way. They, and again, if you even read the Church of England priests uh, in those days, like at... Uh, in the early 1900s, they hated the Romans, you know. Uh, oh, they talked about us papists, and it was bad, and we didn't care for them either. Again, none of this is of God, but still, uh, that's the difference, is who's in charge primarily, the Pope or the king or the queen. Raymond, hey, Padre, please accept as one of, absolutely, you're one of God's children, but you absolutely can be part of someone I pray for every day. Thank you. Hi, Father Larry. Could you? I could listen to you for hours. You poor person. Um, straight towards there. You go, Stephanie. What do you say to people who say we worship idols because we have status? We have statues in the church, and if we worship a statue, that would be absolutely correct. There are people who worship statues. You should never worship a statue. It's like, for instance, I have in my. Uh, chapel where I pray every morning right next to me I have a picture of my mother and so I go in there and I know that's not my mother it reminds me of my mother I also have a beautiful statue of Our Lady of Mount Carmel I know that statue is not the Blessed Mother she reminds uh, the statue reminds me of the Blessed Mother the statue of Saint Joseph now they're just things to remind us of God. In the center of my chapel is the tabernacle, and inside there is Christ. And the Eucharist there is not to remind me of Christ. It is God himself. And so there's a big difference. So him I worship, him I adore. The statues, if they broke today, no big deal. I'd get another one. But they point me to the Blessed Mother. They point me to Joseph, where I have a statue of uh, Cure of Ars there. Uh, it points me to these saints that are praying with me every day. Uh, but uh, again, the statues remind us. And again, if people say, well, you shouldn't have a statue, say, well, do you carry a picture of your mother or your father and you have a picture of them around the house? Uh, do you worship that picture? No, of course not. Uh, but they remind you, and that's what it does. It reminds us. Um, so we're no way, we shouldn't in any way be, uh, be worshiping idols because... We don't worship a statue, and if you do, you got to cut it out, okay? So, here we go. Lorraine, happy to see you again. I just had COVID also. So did our, our, our uh, mayor here, so we had a lot of people got it. So, been praying for you and your family. Thank you, Lorraine. 
Don and Father Larry, you, God gave you a talent speaking and converting people and getting us to understand God's word. If that makes you a narcissist, then accept it. <laughs> You're doing God's way. I think, again, I, narcissism would be sinful. It would be uh, pride and vanity combined. It's a bad thing. And I probably do have parts of that in me. Um, but I wouldn't say that is me. And so sometimes we define ourselves by our sin, but that's the way the devil defines us, and that's the way accusers define us. But God defines us by our name as beloved son and beloved daughter. So thank you for that, uh, Donna. Cameron, you just mentioned praying through the night like Jesus in a homily this week. How does one do this? I tend to fall asleep when praying. Well, I think that like the times I have done it is because I needed Jesus so badly that that was the only place I found peace. I think that the main part of the whole thing is that we have committed prayer time every day. It doesn't have to be all night. Uh, there might be times you do all night, but that would be a rare thing. But to commit yourself to your prayer time every day, you know, Again, it's been years and years and years. I'll bet you at least at least 20 years since I did all-night vigil. At least. But I do do a whole hour every day. And so, but it, the point with the homily was, was prayer was so important to Jesus and so necessary that he spent the night in prayer, partly because he spent the whole day ministering to people. So that was his time to be with the Father. Um, but uh, how to do that it would... Um, I know the way when I did it years ago, it's just something I prepared myself for. I get up like tonight, I'll wake up at 2.30 in the morning and I will do my holy hour at 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Um, and we have perpetual adoration all night, so uh, there are people that spend time there and spend half a night. And again, the biggest thing is just making sure you spend time with prayer. It's your biggest priority. You never go to bed without praying, period. Period, period, period. Okay, hopefully that helps. Let's go back on to one of these. During the joyful mysteries of the rosary, the mystery of the presentation, Simeon makes a prophecy about Mary's heart will be pierced so that the hearts of many will be revealed. What does all this mean, especially about the hearts being revealed? I'm not a scripture scholar, so the best thing that I've always reflected on that is that our hearts are revealed in the heart of Jesus and Mary. You know, that that's where we find our own meaning uh, because now we know also the heart of God. You know, it's great, John, uh, Pope Benedict sat there and talked about uh, when we say God is love, if you ever read his encyclical God is love, which is fantastic, very easy to read, not very difficult at all. He says, what do we mean when we say God is love? And he says, look at the pierced side of Jesus. That's what we mean, God is love. Whoa, that here is God gives everything for love of us. So, um, the hearts of many, like her heart was pierced, Jesus' heart was pierced. It reveals the love of God for us, but it also reveals who we are in God. Huh? So, but again, I, if I were you, I'd look that up on Google. That would be more helpful than trying to see me because what I just did is a spiritual explanation, not a, 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 a scriptural scholar information. But they do have scripture scholars that'll tell you, and it might tell you that I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, you can find something from there. Okay. Salty dog, prayers for you, Father Larry. A very strong sense of presence of someone during my morning rosary of the Blessed Mother. I 
It lasted almost three decades. Could you explain, expand on this? Happy birthday, Mary. Again, to have a presence of someone, it doesn't say who. It could be Our Lady, of course. Again, see, that's what prayer is, is when we become aware that God is with us. You know, that was the, the readings today. God is with us. And my question from the tweet or whatever you look at every day, I said, the question is not, is God with us? Of course he's with us. The question is, are we with God? So when you're saying a rosary and you're meditating on the mysteries and you become aware of a presence, you're becoming aware of God is with you at that very moment. Our Lady is with us that very moment. You know, and so that's why, again, years ago, I, have, uh, I believe in Medjugorje, I've been there twice. But when we were there, uh, people would sit there, and I even said before we got there, and they said, oh, come on, we have to go over to uh, Medjugorje to see our Blessed Mother. I says, I get to be with our Blessed Mother every day. I get to be with Jesus every day. I don't have to go to any of these places. Now, again, like I'm going to be doing a pilgrimage in uh, the third. I'm leaving here the third. I get to Spain on the fourth, and then we start on the fifth. I'm going to do... Um, a 10-day walk of the Camino, me and guys from all around the country, six of us, and um, it's a pilgrimage. Now, I know God will be with me throughout that whole pilgrimage, God willing, but we'll go to the Church of St. James, and then Jesus will be present physically there, but we'll still have Mass every day and do everything else. Of course, I'll still do my holy hour every day uh, away from those uh, other guys, of course. I'll do it early in the morning, but... uh, Become aware of God is something we should all become aware of a presence every time we pray because we are not alone. Hopefully that helps you there. Salty dog. Gabby, how do you turn around a bad day? I feel bad saying bad day when I'm so blessed, but today all the little things are going wrong. Any practical wisdom? (laughs) Get me out of my head. (sighs) The best thing I can tell you is to start writing a praise list. So write on a sheet of paper everything you can praise God for. Thank you, God, that I can see. Thank you, God, that I can hear. Thank you, God, that I can talk. Thank you, God, that I can walk. Thank you, God, that I can eat. Thank you, God, that I can smell. Thank you, God, that, I can, uh, that I'm saved. Thank you, God, that Jesus died for me. Thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you, God, that you allowed me to be a Catholic. Thank you, God, and that uh, for my family. And you just start praising God. And then after that list is done, and it might take pages and pages, then go through it again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Because when we praise God, we get out of ourselves and we enter into the kingdom. So hopefully that helps. That's what I can do when I'm reminded to do it by my guardian angel. <laughs> hopefully that helps. Uh, then praying for you, loss. Thank you, Lorraine. Amen. Hi, Father. Hi, Steve. Jay. Hi, Father Larry. Hope all is well with you. It is Dad Baker. Where do we start when you feel like you are lost everything because your spouse leaves you 20 plus years of repetitive sin? Leaves after 20 years of repetitive sin. Sorry, my repetitive sin made her leave. Always you got to know that your true spouse, whether you're a man or a woman, is Jesus. And so sometimes Jesus lets us lose everything so we can go running to him. So now don't cling to your wife. There's a great book I just got again uh, to help with my mother and that, but it's called, but it's also for like where you're at right now. It's a very simple little book called How to Survive the Loss of a Love. 
how to survive the loss of a love. And it's just book with a little, because what you think is what you feel that'll help you let go of that. But start, start now embracing Jesus. He wants to be your spouse. He wants to be your first love. So run to him. And when he's first, it's amazing what he might do for you. But put him first and focus on that, and he can bring you healing. Okay, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you guys for spending time with me today. Jesus, let us know what's going to happen. Jesus, let us know what is going to happen before us. Yet things happen and we can't change things. And why do we always have the kind of foresight? Um, The foresight, again, like if God calls you home today or like yesterday was... uh, the world as we know is passing away. Well, that was 2,000 years ago and it hasn't passed yet. But it passes for everybody the day they die. So I say we always have to be ready, always in God's will. So the day comes when he calls us home, it's no big deal. We're just doing his will. You know, again, I've told the story, it's in my book, Surrender, about uh, St. Francis was hoeing his garden one day and someone came up to him and says, Francis, what if you knew you were going to be dead in an hour? What would you do? And he said, I'd keep hoeing my garden. Why? Because that was God's will for him. So, hope that helps. Okay. Praying for you. Hope, uh, faith, hope, and love. I imagine, Bruce, what your call is the Steelers this year. Who knows? Thank you for your time. Pain, Bruce, Mr. T is Rocky Three. There you go, Gabe. Thank you. Okay, I still have two more things here, and then we'll get done just in time. I enjoy your Thursday podcast and have a question regarding people who say they don't believe that things happen for a reason. Things just happen. But they do believe in God. How do you answer that? Well, first of all, they don't happen for everybody for a reason. Because remember today again in this, the first reading, if the, if the priest used the second uh, option, it says God makes all things work together for good. Not for everybody. It says God makes all things work together for good, comma, for those who love him and are called by his decrees. So only if you've surrendered your life to him do all things work together for good. Only if you want his will in your life do all things work together for good. That's it. Like, again, something as simple as after my sister died and my brother-in-law and last week was crazy and then I ended up with COVID. And I was like, God, please, really? You're going to send me COVID? But it was like he knew I needed five days to process. I needed five days to rest. I needed five days to heal. And he gave me those five days. I didn't want them, (laughs) but he gave them to me. He made all things work together for good. So, last question here. Uh, Here, Father Larry, I've been watching Daily Mass for a couple years and your podcast as well. It's been a source of nourishment for me and my mom. As I'm caregiving for my mom and my own health problems have become numerous, was wondering if the podcast audience would mind praying for me. It'd be greatly appreciative. Please pray for Mike and Marilyn and for his mother, of course, especially for my asthma and my crazy GI symptoms. I heard a quote yesterday from all the graces come through Mary. I didn't know that. Is that actually true? Does that include grace for healing as well? Everything comes from Mary because Jesus came from Mary. Huh? And so, but today, don't ask Our Lady for anything. Like I said this morning, don't ask for it. Wait till tomorrow. Today, just be grateful for her uh, and everything she's done for you. Tomorrow, ask for the healing. And all of us, we can ask and pray that, Mike, that you are healed and you can continue to be uh, Christ to your mother. Okay. 
And there's one more here that says, Father, my husband is concerned about the music I listen to, that it's not wholesome enough. We have been married for 18 years. While I recognize lyrics can be raw and cross, is there a limit? Yeah, of course. If it doesn't glorify God, then it wouldn't be a good thing. Some are neutral, which is fine, or talks about love or different things. But if it glorifies um, anything that's not of God, then that wouldn't be a good thing to listen to because really when you listen to music, it really uh, enters into your soul. And so it can take you in directions. That's why I must always listen to Christian music or classical music. Um, not always, but 95% of the time so that that can always keep drawing me to God. But don't get in arguments over this, huh? Just keep focusing on Jesus. That's the whole point of all of this. Just focus on Jesus. Okay, got to go. Thanks all of you for being with me today and spending time with me. Again, know that I do pray for you, Mike, uh, Marilyn, of course, every day. I pray for all of you every day. And I just ask you to please pray for me. I love you. God bless you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. See you next week from Toledo, Ohio, or Finley, Ohio. God bless you. We'll see you next week. God willing.